Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Episode 105 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I'm Greg Wah. In this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, are you looking yellow? And ants. Ants can use medicine? And someone's stealing my gas. And in the pimp my time, I am sent to 1855 Kentucky. In America. But before we get there, the ignobles. Oh, yes. up recently. Yes, yes. Which is the Nobel Prize is for scientists who do great things for humanity. Mm-hmm. The ignobles are for people who pursue kind of whimsical nonsense, which still ends up helping humanity in some yeah. cases. And sometimes it's just interests people in science, which is just as good. Well, so says smart enough, no better. <laughs> Nobel Prize, it makes you think where the ignobles make you laugh and then make you think. So yeah. Actually, the ignobles are better than the Nobel Prizes because they make you laugh. Yeah, and I was thinking, I'd love, I'd love to try to go for an ignoble prize. Yes, like that would be wonderful. That'd like, be pretty cool. Oh my god, that would be wonderful. And I mean, we're, we've got the exact forum in which to try for something like that, where we can spend some time working on a science experiment. And we've got all you listeners who are excited to hear it. So, right. Yes. Well, I was very excited because we talked about it way before it became a Nobel Prize, about animals, mammals peeing for 21 seconds. We actually did a little experiment on the podcast, and you said in data, that won an Nobel Prize. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's fantastic. something that occurred to yeah. me, is that in, in some very yeah. real yes. and measurable way, <laughs> Greg and Dan, from yes. Smart Enough Know Better, as well as our audience members who helped us participate, won an Nobel yeah, Prize. Sure, sure. We, uh, we confirmed the data of an ignoble prize, definitely, yes. Because we sent it to the researchers, Yes, we? Yeah, we did, and yes. They, yep. that this was information that was valuable to them. That's very true. Oh, actually, sorry, yeah, of course, good point. We did send information to them. And they, are we in the paper? Probably not. But we're, we're probably part of the data set somewhere. Now, you say probably not, but that's not definitely not. Oh, that's definitely not. When I was a kid, I learned that when you hang white shirts on the line, mm-hmm. if you do it for a while, they, they turn yellow. Right. And somewhere in my head, I went, yeah, because the sun's yellow. <laughs> so so it's just see. absorbing the yellow. Right. So now my shirt is all yellow because I left it in the yellow sun. Yes, okay. So obviously, you know, on planet Krypton, all their shirts turn red. <laughs> right. Uh, that's not how it works at all. That, no. No. No, not at all. It doesn't do that. No. It turns out that your shirt starts yellow. Like, it's really hard to make a white fabric. Right. And so they make a a light yellow fabric, and they sell it to you as white. But what they do is that in the old days, what they do is they they dye it just a little bit blue. Uh. And that process was called bluing. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's a good name for it. It's not bad, is it? (laughs) So what happens is the light comes down off the sun, and it's white light. Yes. The white light hits the yellow shirt, and it absorbs just a little bit of blue. Would that be it? Yeah. It absorbs a little bit of blue and bounces off your red and your green. Right. I mean, it, I mean that's not how it works. No, no, but, no, no. Yeah. But it absorbs a little bit of the blue end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and it goes into your eyes, and so it activates, like, the red in your eyes and the green in your eyes, but the blue doesn't get activated quite as much, and so it looks yellow. Right, okay, yes. So that's how colour works. Uh-huh, yep. So you, you use a bit of blue, and that actually mutes the red and green end of the spectrum a little bit right and so the levels of red green and blue being activated in your eyes are kind of equal and therefore white 
Uh, very light grey. Very light grey. Right, okay. Very light grey. Okay, so that's pretty good. That's kind of white. That's kind of white, yep. So Better than yellow. Yeah. So that's what they did for years. Mm-hmm. And then, recently, you started seeing these ads for washing powders and stuff going, brighter brights, whiter whites. Yes. They all say it now. It's ridiculous. No, but it's not ridiculous at all. Isn't it? No, because they have a thing called optical brighteners that have replaced the bluing. It's used to create the same effect. If you wanted really white, what you'd want to do is you'd want to get the red and the green end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. to be at its brightest and then brighten up the blue end. Right, okay, yes, yes. So what you do is these optical brighteners, Mm -hmm. they go, oh, well, we can't can't get any more blue to the eye, but what we'll do is we'll take some of the ultraviolet light that you can't see and we'll turn it into blue light. Right. Oh, I see. Now, have you ever been under a black light? Yes, yes, yes. And so you know that some people, if if you're wearing a bright white T-shirt, it glows in the dark. It fluoresces, yes. It fluoresces because of this chemical in the shirt. Uh, That's that's converting ultraviolet into visual visual, blue light. Visible light. Uh, And it's kind of blue, too. You're right. It kind of glows that whitey, bluey kind of colour. So a white shirt like the one I'm wearing now yes it will actually illuminate brighter than everything else around it by a tiny little bit because it's reflecting more ultra well it's converting ultraviolet light into visible light yeah that's cool that's very cool yeah so that's the dyes that they initially use to make the white shirts yeah but washing detergents actually have this to replace those dyes oh. they have optical whiteners in them just to boost it up a little <laughs> bit each time right it, I've seen a picture actually uh, talk, looking at sunscreen so a great photo looking at... So you put some sunscreen on your face and you, you get under an ultraviolet camera. You can actually start seeing... It goes very, very bright because it's actually reflecting the ultraviolet away from your oh, face. wow. So, so the invisible sunscreen becomes highly visible as this mark on your face because it's, it's reflecting back the ultraviolet. So I was very excited about that. It's a similar idea here, I suppose, except it's converting it into visible light. Yeah. That's very cool. If you've got washing detergent that makes your clothes glow in the dark mm-hmm. or when they're hit by ultraviolet... <laughs> yes. Violet. I mean, that's great. makes it look great. But there are some situations where it could be a bit of a problem. There are some side effects. There are a lot of sites out there with words like uh, natural and mother and healing in their names. (laughs) They're very much against the addition of chemicals to the fabrics that you wear. Uh These chemicals can be used to manage pest problems. Yep. So they might be dangerous yep, for yep, humans. Yep. I mean, they are used to manage pest problems. Mm-hmm. If you've got a problem with bees, yep. bees actually come to the flowers because the flowers are reflecting ultraviolet yeah. light. And sometimes I've seen pictures that kind of looks like a runway. Like the, you can't see it in with your eyes, but to the bee, there's these little markers, and it looks just like a plane, like, come this way, land here. And the bee knows to fly between the markers to get to the stamens because that's where all the good stuff is. It's very cool. Yeah, but if you spray your flowers with something that changes the ultraviolet reflection into oh, blue. No. The bee's like, I can't see shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing over here. There's nothing cool. Nothing cool about this flower at all. That's really cruel. That's a terrible thing to do to poor bees. Uh, it can take a while to break down in the environment. Right. It could be a problem for fish if it gets into the waterways. Yep. There's not a lot of research that suggests that there is, mm. but it is actually very valuable to scientists okay. when it's in the environment because it's such a good tell for where wastewater is going. Because it'll fluoresce ultraviolet. You can just pour ultraviolet yeah, light it, on it. What you do is you get a collection of water and you, you pour the water through a bit of cotton or gauze or something. Yep. This chemical is, is specially designed to bond to cotton and gauze oh, and stuff. Okay. And so you pour all the water through and it collects all this stuff and then if it fluoresces... Mm. 
under black lights, then you're like, oh, so that's where the wastewater's going. I see. If it doesn't, you're like, oh, this is pure water that's coming from other places. And so you can actually yep. track and, that's and, very and cool. use it to graph huge waterways and stuff to figure out where the uh, where I it's guess being you affected. could you could you could choose to dump some of it in and if you weren't too sure what was going on or where it was going, you could pour it in let's say cave water, you might be able to mm. pour it into a cave and then go and check a streams nearby and go, okay, this stream came from the cave now. I now know because it's water is fluorescing, so you could then work backwards and see how the stream got into the cave and maybe find another way into the cave, something yeah. like that. Well Middle um, you can just put colour dye and just see where the colour comes out, I guess. Yeah. The Frog Princess and I actually went hiking in the Scottish Highlands about this time last year. And so there's a lovely little stream that we were following. And we walk all the way up and the stream just starts. And you're like, what? And there's all this flowing water. And you're like, where's it coming from? And it's just bleeding out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. And you go there and you're like, well, this is obviously how ideas of fountains of youth started. Like, this is a spring where it's just like water is coming from nowhere. Yep. Someone dug a hole and now water just appears there. Well, in in England, there's a place called Bath. And why it's called Bath is because back in the day, there was a spring that burst from the ground. It was just water that would pour out and people would use it to bathe. And it was called Bath. And, well, and it was Sulus Minerva. That's the, they, they have a god, Sulus. They, the Celts had a god called Sulus, and it was the god of the goddess, sorry, of the water. And they're like, wait, and this, this, she obviously, this is some sort of dryady kind of thing, and she lives in the water, and that's all great. And all the Celts are like, Ooh, we love this. And then the Romans came along, and, and Romans did something really clever. The Romans went, we're not just going to kill you and take all your gods away, because you know, people get annoyed if you, like, try and take their gods away. They went, oh, Sulus, the god goddess of the water, this was this pagany god goddess you got here. I suppose I wouldn't have called them pagans because they were pagans. Being on front of mm-hmm. you're their gods. We have one called Minerva. Minerva is very similar to your Sulus. <gasps> it's the same goddess! As so it was, became Sulus Minerva and everyone was happy. Oh, well, they probably weren't that happy. But it's still... But at least they were clean. At least they were clean. And now the baths, so yeah, water can just burst from the ground like a crazy thing. That, wouldn't that be uh, awesome? Wouldn't that just be the best thing in the world? It's pretty amazing. And we, we went and we asked one of the locals there. We said, oh, we found this. The, we found the spring. It's amazing. And they said, you know what? Lots of people have studied that spring. No one has the foggiest where it's coming from. Oh, wow. We don't know where the water's coming from. That's, 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 especially if it was, was it bu- just bubbling out? Was it yeah. like pouring out or was it just kind of seeping out? Oh, no, it was pouring out. Oh, okay. It so was under like, pressure from somewhere. Yeah, well, there was a cubic foot of water flowing down yeah. every second. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so. a, yeah. Cubic foot. Oh, did you, did, yeah. you, did you did you fathom how to get there? Uh, hey, hey. Uh, uh, I get it. Uh, Imperial. There is the slight possibility that uh, an individual could have a reaction, like a skin reaction, an allergic reaction to the chemical. Yep. So, but they're weak and they should die. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's, uh, that's the problem with our society is we're rescuing all these kids, all these yeah, sick kitties. A, we're giving we're that's right. putting millions of dollars into keeping them healthy. That's right. That's why I always, as a teacher, just leave peanuts everywhere. Just scatter peanuts mm, around the playground never. because they just, they're just passing on their weak, weak peanut genes. Yeah. And then they because I didn't believe it, but like, until I saw actually a kid have an animal. I, I, by the way, I don't actually do that because it can actually kill you. But it's it really <laughs> freaks me out that a, a peanut or the peanut residue can kill you that makes you go there's something really wrong then you wouldn't have survived in the past obviously like before when we were kids dan when did how did anyone survive like because i had peanuts all the time as a kid and i I'm well, they didn't survive they they kept dying oh right we didn't hear about it obviously yeah oh parents kept away. oh that's really terrible i feel bad oh yeah. That's where my friends went. Oh, but, but, but we keep breeding more peanut weak, weaklings. Yep. <laughs> now that we know that it's there, we're like, oh, we can protect them. Yeah. Suddenly, it's just a, this this propagation of peanut 
targets. What, what it's created, though, is a group of people who are very good at slamming children with EpiPens. Because I, I have a good skill that I can, like, I can target a kid between the eyes with an EpiPen at about 10 meters, which is not actually that useful because you're meant to get it in their thigh. But by goodness, they know they've been EpiPen when you get it between the eyes. Like, it's great. Anyway, this is what we're talking about, stabbing children. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? That's the point. Uh, optical brightness. Right, optical or, brightness. Or optical dyes yes. are used in many papers, mm-hmm. especially high brightness ones. And so your paper will glow in the dark as well. Right. Old paper. Yeah. How do you know it's old? It's yellowy. It goes yellow. It's yeah. yellow. I just normally add tea to it. That's when I want to make a paper look old. Ah, I, I, I dip go. in tea and dry it out and it looks old. Paper used for banknotes does not include optical brightness. Who uses paper in their banknotes? What primitive oh, yeah. cultures do that? What backwards people use cotton or paper in their money now, says the Australian who uses plastic. Thank you very much. The Americans use linen, don't they? They do, they do linen. Yeah, yeah. They do let it linen. But uh, they don't use optical brighteners to brighten them. And so what you can detect counterfeit notes by putting a black light over them and Ooh. if they glow it's counterfeit oh okay because they've had yeah they've been you know, weird and some brightness is also used in makeup and hair dye in order to make the hair and eyes just a little bit lighter okay I really do hope this is not carcinogenic <laughs> well you sound like one of the natural mother healing yeah, obviously so now. it makes me wonder you know it's like everywhere like anything that's everywhere you're like mm, I'm sure it's cool but yeah. well there is a situation where it could get you killed oh yes yes when infrared light hits it yep. it turns into blue light and makes it really easy to see just like in like at a nightclub oh yes yes so if you're washing the clothes of someone say in the military oh no in optical whiteners oh. then they're gonna show up like a like a like shiny a big, d- shiny ass <laughs> like a big shiny monkey ass oh my on goodness night vision goggles oh wow so then you just walk around with like ultraviolet going check behind this bush oh there's someone there well, night vision goggles do that. Oh, okay. What's well, even better? Good point. It's actually projecting. So, active night vision. Where they active project... night vision. Right. Where... Yes, I understand now. Not just passive. Yep, I see what you're saying. Okay, wow. That would be bad. So, they can just glow in the dark. So, yeah, they have to specially wash their clothes with just like water and soap or something. I guess so. Oh, my goodness. Well, just... just elbow grease. Yeah, get in there. Get in the and... army now. That's right. Just... Here's a wooden rack to wash, to grind the clothes against. <laughs> Thank you, Sergeant. <laughs> I want to see my face in that T-shirt. No, no, you don't, Sergeant. No, you don't. Echolocation is when an animal detects objects in their environment by sensing echoes from objects around them. The champions of this ability in the animal kingdom are dolphins and bats. But did you know that humans can echolocate as well? Tonight, on Smart Enough World, we'll be looking into the amazing ability of human echolocation. Though made famous by Daniel Kish, the sight-impaired man that uses tongue clicks to help him ride a bicycle... They call me the real-life Batman. My claim to fame is that I click. Other people have this most amazing ability as well. Meet Greg Waugh. Blind from birth, Greg is able to navigate his surroundings using human echolocation. Unlike the bat-like clicks utilized by Daniel Kish, Greg has taken a more dolphin-like approach to mobility. 
Utilizing his high-pitched screams, Greg can discern a lot of detail in his environment. I'm in a kitchen. There's a table over there. And a fridge in the corner. The countertop is 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 vinyl. Oh no, no, no. Formica. There is a there's a dog in the room. A Labrador. But it's it's leaving the room rapidly. Animals don't seem to like me. <sighs> Greg's ability is so precise, he can use it to read the ridges ink makes on a page. Yes, Greg can read books with human echolocation. Ah, ah The Martian by Andy Weir. Ah, watch out for the antenna, Mark Watney! Oh boy, is he in trouble! Excuse me, sir. This is a library. You have to keep the noise down. Excuse me! <gasps> Miss, I'm blind. This is how I see. <gasps> nice glasses, by the way. Shh. I'm sorry, sir, but we really can't have you disturbing the library like this. Well, I've never been so insulted. By the way, you might want to get that tumour in your abdomen checked out pretty soon. What? Greg's amazing abilities even let him have a fulfilling career as a counsellor for soldiers suffering PTSD. So, Sergeant, thanks for coming in today. Let me check your charts. What's wrong, Sergeant? What can you see? Tell me, Sergeant! Let me help you! <laughs> These acute cases are so sad. I'm so glad I can help. Next week on Smart Enough World, we'll be looking at Dan Beeston. Dan is also blind and echolocates by listening to the return echoes from his 44 Magnum. I'm going to the shops! quite ill for the last couple of days. You've had a bit of a cold. A bit of a head cold, yes. What, what do you do when you have a head cold? What do you do as a, as a primate? What's your, what's your, what, do you, what are you up to? Um, oh, gosh, what do I do? I drink lots of fluid. Mm -hmm. I try to rest as much as possible. Yes. I download a new game on my iPad <laughs> keep me amused. I take vitamin B and zinc tablets. Oh. Now... That's right. You don't have to justify your madness. It's fine. No, 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 no. Because no, we we established we that did. zinc. We did. Zinc might actually be of, of value, even though yes. everything else is bullshit, especially vitamin C. Yes. Unless you've oh. been running marathons. Can I can I just point out that I I had this conversation. You know, when you you do this stuff, you do a podcast like this, you learn a few things, you can back it up with science. There's a woman at work yeah. who doses her kids with vitamin. Oh, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C. And I went in there and I went, I have to just. It doesn't work. And she's like, it does work. It's like, no, it doesn't. Like, I'm sorry, there doesn't seem to be any evidence for it. And she's like, well, all I'm saying is I give my kids vitamin C and they don't get colds. All the other kids get sick. I'm like, oh, you mean confirmation bias? Oh, that's great. And, <laughs> and she's like, no. And now, but now I'm like, okay, well, I've told you 
I can show you the paper, but how do you, people just go, no, you're wrong. I'm sorry. I give my children vitamin C. They don't get sick. Therefore, it's real. You're like, yeah. oh, I've had it really hard. Anyway, well, it. here's the thing. <sighs> here's the thing. Because we figured out that the, the, it may reduce the dosage, the time. Yeah, and the dosage of zinc is supposed to be a certain amount, mm, and mm. the dosage in the tablet is like half that amount. So I take two. But, <laughs> no, no, which is what you're supposed yep, to do. Right? Yep. Good. Good. But I'm I haven't double checked the numbers, mm. so it may be that the dosage in the vitamin C tablets is the wrong by, by orders of a magnitude. Yes, I haven't checked that. Because the other thing that these tablets are good for are placebos. <laughs> and so I need something that I believe works in need... order to get that placebo effect but happening. But you don't need that. Remember, we deal with that too. You can, you, even knowing it doesn't work, you can still get a placebo yeah, from it. Yeah, but it's not as strong. It's not as strong as so placebo. So I want it as strong as possible. Fair enough. So I need a pl- a an placebo, active placebo, an active placebo <laughs> in the house. That's what I do when I'm sick. That, and now, and ants are very similar to you. Dan Beeston. They're very, very similar. Ants, actually, when they get sick with a fungal infection, it's been shown that they will sell... Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Let, no, no, don't misrepresent me. This was just a head cold. Sure, yeah, it but... It wasn't a fungal infection. Sure, whatever, man, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Ants, when they get sick with something which may or may not be a fungal infection, actually self-medicate. And they self-medicate with... Just little tiny droplets of alcohol. (laughs) So they sit around going, ah, I can't... No, they actually self-medicate. And they self-medicate with something which is actively harmful to them. So it's not as if they... Feet. They just... Human feet. No, no, they they, they actually... I'll I'll explain it. They actually... They did an experiment in the University of Helsinki. Uh, Nick Boz and his colleagues showed that ants will choose to eat hydrogen peroxide Side if they have a dangerous fungal Fucking disease. Hell. Yeah. Hi- like hair, 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 yes, uh, um, uh, hair whitening. Yes, yeah, but, and, 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 yeah, and, they, and like people, rocket fuel. And pe- yes, rocket fuel. People say they put it on their, their wounds to make it to clean their wounds. It doesn't. It doesn't actually help. By the way, sorry, it doesn't. That's actually been shown not to be true. So I know people out there. You probably listen to podcasts. Some of you probably go, oh, as a kid, you had hydrogen peroxide put on your scrapes and cuts. Your mum would have done that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Sorry. Um, it's just but, like vitamin C. It's uh, yeah. Uh, just, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. It's, well, I'm ruining your... People out there going, no, well, it works for me. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Uh, there you go. So what they found is ants actually will leave the hive, the nest, I guess, they'll leave the nest when they're dying, like this fungal infection that's, that's fatal. They'll go, oh, I'm, I'm not long for this world. And they'll leave the nest and they'll die. So they know they're sick. So somehow the ant knows they're sick. We don't know how the ant knows, but they do know that they're not doing very well. Well, uh, it may not be that they don't know that they're not doing well. It's just that they've evolved so that when this happens... They follow this next rule. But that just sounds like, like they know what's going. That that sounds like you just said the same thing I just said, but you put the word evolution into it. I mean, it's, that's like saying it's like saying you don't know you're well. You just know that when you get this thing, you know you're sick. Well, that you've evolved to know that. No, no, no. I sat there for an entire day going, "It's just allergies. It's just allergies." <laughs> no, I f***ed everything up. It's a, the, so these ants will go out and die. So somehow they, they'll go die alone, where they so they won't infect other other ants because the spores will come out, the fungus spores, and infect other ants. So they, they, yep. they, there's something going on. But somehow they get information and they leave. The scientists took these very sick ants uh, of the Formica fusca species. There you go. I'm sure there's as a, an entomologist out there. Just went, oh, yeah, said that all wrong. And they put down food that had hydrogen peroxide in it, uh, spiked. Thinking of sp- uh, spiked food with hydrogen peroxide, oh, okay. non like yummy food. And they and the ants who were sick went, oh, we better go eat the hydrogen peroxide. They went and ate it, and to and it kills the fungus. So they, it actually, that's what it does. It will actually kill the fungus. Yeah, and when they, everything else too. And that's right. And when they're not, and that's the good point. 
eating hydrogen peroxide is detrimental to your health, even for an ant. So they know they're hurting themselves, but they go, I have to hurt myself over here by eating this stuff to get rid of the fungus. I won't eat it unless I'm sick. So they won't just go eat hydrogen peroxide and accidentally eat it because they're idiots. They, yeah. they know it's there and they know, like hurt, me. they know it will hurt them. Now, it's kind of like chemotherapy in that way. Chemotherapy is oh, basically yeah. killing the tumor before you die. So chemotherapy hurts you very badly as well, but you're trying to send the tumor to death before the chemotherapy sends you to death. Obviously, that's mm. the point. So they're kind of doing the same thing. Now, what they've done is if they increase the amount of hydrogen peroxide in the food, in the spike, the animal will eat less of the food. They, they, they're like, oh, Oh, the hydrogen peroxide is increasing. I better slow down on the old hydrogen peroxide. I don't need that much. So they'll eat a little bit from the hydrogen peroxide spike food, and then they'll go and eat from the normal food. So they're actually really medicating themselves. They're, wow. They're, they're, they're not just filling their bellies full of hydrogen peroxide. They're like, okay, enough of hydrogen peroxide. I'll go eat the nice food now. Mm. So and it's really, really, really clever. The death rate of these ants fell from about 60% for those on an ordinary diet to 45% for those given food laced with hydrogen peroxide. So they most definitely were... It helped. They saw it helped. They knew it would hurt them, but they ate enough to try and, and medicate themselves. Now, I have one question to all this, and I can't find it in the paper. Yeah. Where do they find hydrogen peroxide? That's just what I was going to ask you. <laughs> That's, I've been reading this paper over and over again going, okay, okay down the bottom, oh, and they find that in the hydrogen peroxide plant. No, no, it's hydrogen peroxide. It's really dangerous to cells. Like, it's not good at all. What the heck is going on? So somehow they've decided, to, they never explain how they discovered that hydrogen peroxide kills fungal infections in ants. Unless they go, it kills everything, therefore it'll help ants. So why is the ants seeking it out yes. in nature? There, there must be a they? natural occurring thing in nature that's either hydrogen peroxide or similar precursors, precursors to hydrogen peroxide. It makes it in their belly or something? Or, or, or does it similar? But you think it would, if it was just an antifungal medicine, why would they know the difference between hydrogen peroxide and non-hydrogen peroxide? Like, I just don't, I don't understand it. There's so many more questions in this yeah. that, that I can't find the answer to. So if you can explain, listeners, where hydrogen peroxide comes from in the natural world, where an ant could find it and know about it, let us know. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I was recently filling up my car with gasoline. As you do. Yeah. Petrol in Australia. Nope, this was gasoline. You were filling a coat with gasoline? Yes. Where do you get gasoline from in Australia? Costco. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So they call it gasoline. Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the stuff says gasoline across That's the front. That's weird. See, in Australia, weird? it's actually guzzoline, according to Mad Max. I don't know why. Guzzoline. Guzzoline. Oh, my goodness. When you're driving the Fury Road, you've got to get the guzzoline. Because, you know, 20 years after a terrible attack, everyone in Australia says, hey, gasoline and guzzoline. It makes no sense! Sorry, I'm okay. You're filling up with gasoline. Yeah. Gas! I don't know what I'm saying now. Now, there was a little sticker on the front of it, though. Yes. And it said that these tanks are modified for petrol vapor recovery. Ooh. And I was like, what the hell is petrol vapor recovery? Mm. And this is what I envisaged petrol vapor recovery was. Yes. You, you put petrol into the car, or gas, you gas up your car, <laughs> and then all the fumes from that process sort of flow up and then they go up to the ceiling right. at the cover of the of the petrol station and they get accumulated and then condensed into a into a fluid. This is the worst crypto zoo ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. Oh, thank goodness. That's not That's how it really works. dangerous if it did work. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on a windy day, yeah. not gonna work. <sighs> Blown away. But that's all I could think of. Yeah. It turns out that that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. 
what happens is that the hose that goes into the car, the, the Bowser, mm-hmm. okay, it pours petrol in from an underground tank. Right. So that underground tank, the fluid actually gently drops down, and mm-hmm. so the pressure in the tank becomes thinner. Ah, yes, yes. Well, well, yes, well, pressure re- reduces. The yes. pressure reduces, yes. and so it wants to suck stuff down. Right. Now... In my car's tank, the tank is air-sealed, the fluid drops down, and then all the other air space in there is petrol, gas, proper gas, not fluid gas, you idiot Americans. (laughs) It's petroleum gas. Yes, right. And so when you fill up your petrol and all that fluid goes into the tank, then you're displacing all that petrol gas, and all that petrol gas is being forced out out of the hole of your car. And just into the air. Right, yes. And you don't want that. No, no, no. Because it's bad for the environment. It's wasteful. Yeah. And so what happens is that the pressure in the underground tank drops and there's a little tiny hole on the nozzle of the Bowser that sucks air in. And so as the petrol goes into your car, the the nozzle is sucking all the the gas back into the underground tank. So you know what that means? Is they're stealing my fucking petrol. (laughs) Sons of bitches! They don't. They don't charge me enough no. at the Bowser. They're stealing my gas back. They are. Oh, that's it. You're very angry about this, obviously. Oh, I am angry. You should have, now, you should have a little. You should have a little little ting. It tick 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 ticks when it goes back up. You get like a dollar off for every. You know, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Now, the thing is, on new cars, mm-hmm. like say your car, yes, or anything made in the last fifteen years, yeah, right. <laughs> so on brand new cars. <laughs> Mine was made in 96, right. so, yeah, uh, that's a, you know, I still have to crank it to get it started. <laughs> 20th century automobile. Mm. Um, the gas tank and the fill pipe are designed so that when refueling the vehicle, fuel vapours in the gas tank travel to an activated carbon-packed canister, which absorbs the vapour. Right. So they're not stealing back the fumes from okay. you. Good, good. Okay. That will teach those guys for doing things that you don't like. <laughs> now, the only thing is that when the big tanker truck comes in... Mm-hmm and it pours the petrol into the underground thing, mm. then the same problem happens. All that gas is going to is yes. displace into the atmosphere. Yeah. So these vapours are actually collected under controlled pressure conditions and passed through a refrigerated condenser or Ooh. absorption zone, and the liquid is returned to the service station storage tankerage, preferably below the liquid level there. Yeah, right, OK. So, yeah, they don't condense it immediately upon sucking it back into the tank. They just yeah. go, we're just going to fill the whole thing with fuel vapour. Yeah, yeah. The only active component is that the Bowser is sucking up that fuel and putting it into the car. Yeah. Everything else is just displacement. Yeah, moving yeah, those gases well, and also, well, it comes down to, I was trying to think before, it's, it's P1V1 equals P2V2. If you have two sides, think of it this way. As the volume increases, the volume gets larger, V gets larger, to keep it equal, if you have P1, P1, V1, P2, V2, as V gets larger, therefore P has to get smaller. So pressure's decreasing, volume is increasing. And that's yep. why it works on both sides. You, you, you have the and pressure. It's exactly that... imbalanced. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of brilliant. It is, it's, very, it's actually very clever. It's well, well done, petrol companies, for doing something clever. And it's all going to be moot very soon. We're all running around on Elon Musk's amazing electric cars. But yeah, it's good. It's good. Ah, I'm sure there'll be hipsters. <laughs> It'll be like vinyl. It'll be like driving a yeah. vinyl record it around. Will, it really will be. So, Dan Neutron. Yes, yes, Mr. Great Neutron? 
We've been planning this invasion for centuries. Oh, I know, sir. The Earthlings had calculated the chances of anything coming from our home planet of Mars at a million to one. Uh, but still we came, Mr. Gregutron. Indeed we did. We travelled in a great spaceship that could sustain us in all that we needed, despite the cruel vacuum of space. A testament to Martian engineering, sir. Air tight. Air tight, baby. And you... decided to open the door. Well, it was such a nice day. A nice day? On an alien world, where the temperature can reach upwards of 30 degrees Celsius. Well, we're closer to Mars's sun, Chad. That's not its name. But I was listening to... The atmosphere is exquisitely dense. You flooded the ship with a thick oxygen and nitrogen mixture. Well, in my defense, it is invisible. And now you want time off because of... Because of what? Oh, it's just a head cold, sir. What's a head cold? It's you! Pimp my time. Last week, I fed Greg into the time machine. He has an hour to research 1855 Kentucky to figure out how he can pimp his time. Oh my goodness. I, I hate you so much. You gave me this one. It was so close to our time period. It makes it really hard because all my stuff, I'm really good at all the, the Grecian stuff and the Roman stuff and, and how to make you science and stuff like that. It's almost like you planned to send me a period of time. That's all oh, anyway. Oh yeah? Being sent back to a, uh, to, to a recent time? To a Transylvania? No, no, that's right. Transylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duh. I can't do that. Yeah, I can't, I can't do German know. anymore. Yeah. I just, I've never been good at the German accent. Hey, so we do it again. You want to do it again? Or? Nah, that, was, that mess is just on record now. <laughs> that mess of an accent. So 1855 Kentucky in America is the state of Kentucky. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I turn up in Kentucky in 1855. What the heck am I going to do? And the first thing I thought of, I went, I, I, I know what to do. I do gold rush. The gold rush is coming. The American gold rush is going to be there. I could get there first. Like if I could, if I could get there ten years ahead, I could make all the money. Or, you know, get all the all this gold. I'd, I'd be all over. So or I just looked, set up a store that sold gold selling. Well, that, well like gold digging that, tools. That, that, that hadn't thought about that. That would be brilliant too. But I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be all over it. So I go and check it. Nope, no, it started in 1850. So I'm five, uh, five years, years out and, and five even years behind the ball. And I went. I could go to Australia. Australia is starting to pick up now. But I went. I think I that, sent you to Kentucky. I know. I know. But we do live in that period of time in 1855 where I could get to Australia, but I didn't. I didn't. I thought. I, I feel like that's outside the, the, I the, thought, the, the, I the thought thrust you, of the segment. I thought that you would think that as well. So I went, okay, so gold. Ironically, I would have thought that you were too chicken to be in Kentucky. Ah, very good. I wasn't going to make that joke at any point. I made a promise not to make mention the Colonel or the KFC, but you did. That's I think good. you did the last episode, actually. Did I? Oh, no! Oh, there you go. So, gold. Gold is out. So, wait, I know. The cowboys have, like, the 1890s, 1870s cowboy kind of stuff. I know they use telegraph systems. I'm going to create the telegraph system. I'm pretty good with that sort of stuff. I'm pretty certain I could make a magnet and an electrical cable and actually create the first telegraph 
There's only one problem, Dan. What's the problem? It was made in 1816. I'm, I'm th- more than 30 years out. Um, Dang. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, really? It was created that? And in fact, much earlier than that, like they're, they're looking at it, 1809 and even further back than that, 1800s, f- 1753, electrostatic telegraphs are already in, in Scotland. I'm 100 years behind the eight ball. Right. Just, this is the problem. When did things get made? This is the big issue. It's like kept throwing. We're, we're, we're learning just how uh, smart our ancestors and, were right. and, and how and, early they got smart. And, they, and, then, and we're like, oh, I'll just go back and use my super knowledge of the future. No, you won't. Unless it's like swipe left for old day, old timey Tinder. That's about all we can tell them. Swipe left for moustaches. Swipe <laughs> right for Amish beards. <laughs> Ew, that, that was that made me kind of sad. So now I'm stuffed. Now I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm in Kentucky in 1855. My two big ideas are already blown out of the water. Mm-hmm. Really don't know a lot about Kentucky. And I went, wait, 1855? There was some sort of big brouhaha, a fracas of some sort around this period in American history. Uh? Some kind of... I don't know. They, they, they got very uncivil with each other. They started to get really... They were uncivil. They were uncivil. They were, uncivil they were very other. uncivil. And I went, wait, okay, right, that's it. I need to work out when the American Civil War happened. I'm sure the Americans in their audience are like, you idiot, how did you not know? Because I'm an American! It was 1861. So I've got... Was it? It was... Oh, I had no idea. (laughs) So I had six years. Six years, okay, before the American Civil War started. Kentucky, which is really interesting as well, wanted to be originally, well, chose to be uh, neutral. So north and the south, the the Kentuckians went, no, 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 we're we're neutral ground, and we won't take sides in this crazy war between you. We won't send soldiers to the north, and we won't, but we won't be fighting for the south. We're not doing any of this. Uh Now, later on, they broke that, and they joined the south. To begin with, they were neutral. Right, so I've got a civil war coming, and the they moment didn't want to fight. They didn't want to fight because they were chicken. Chicken, <laughs> the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> well, I hope our Kentucky audience are like, screw you. So we have a war coming, and the first thing I knew Dan would want me to do when I realized that Dan had sent me to 1855 Kentucky. Dan wanted me to get onto slaves and sell a lot of slaves. That's what I thought, Dan. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's, whoa, whoa. That's, that was my take after Dan helped the Nazis win World War. Two, I went, Dan is just feeling a bit guilty about his choices in life and so he's going to send me through time so I also sell my soul and maybe you know, get a better price slave or maybe clean the teeth of slaves so they get sold for higher prices or something awful so I chose... Oh my god <laughs> I know! What? What version of myself have I been presenting in this segment? <laughs> you try to win the war for Germany one time and suddenly I'm history's second greatest monster. <laughs> so Time traveling monster is even terrible. So I decided, okay, I'm going to stay away from slaves. I'm going to stay away from all that sort of stuff. Let's let's not go there. But I went, okay, what do wars need? But by the way, I'd like to point out that I I'm still a monster. Dead people, dead, dead people. And, and how do you make dead people? Stop people from being alive. That's right, with guns. So I had a look at the guns. I had a look at the guns that were available then, and they were rubbish. They were totally, totally, totally just rubbish. Uh, and so I was like, right, I could do something with this. I could create a better gun. And I remembered, I remembered, there was a gun that was created in 1862 by a man by the name of Richard Gatling. It was the (laughs) AK-47. It was the Gatling gun. Okay. And the Gatling gun is the first rapid fire gun that was ever created. I went, oh, well, 1855, I I could beat him to the punch and I could make 
a Gatling gun. What? I could create the Gatling gun. It seemed pretty easy. I was looking on the. It on seemed w- pretty easy. I was looking on Wikipedia. I could barely put a bow together last time. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to make a Gatling gun. All right. So I looked into how to make a Gatling gun, and the thing I learned very quickly was I can't make a Gatling gun. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, well, look who's it's, prescient. <laughs> it was a bit hard. I thought about maybe finding Richard Gatling and going, "Hey, make a Gatling gun named after yourself," and he'd go, "Yeah, I'm probably already working on it." So, all right. So I can't beat him to that. I don't have enough knowledge of guns mm. to... By the way... It I'd would be, get confusing to name it after yourself because you go, make a war gun. Make a war gun. Like, for war? For war. For, for, yeah. <laughs> what? For warfare. Ah! That's very good. For, <laughs> for warfare. I said this, this man's name is war. <laughs> <laughs> they think I was a war. That's brilliant. In the, I didn't even think of that. In Kentucky, they would think my name meant war. They'd go, his name's Gregoire. <laughs> this man knows his guns. Because his name is named after warfare. His middle name is... <laughs> Inconsequential, his it's last name is the one where it really comes on. <laughs> his middle name is Sex Pot. That's not true, by the way. So, problem. Can't create a Gatling gun. Can't already created a d- telegraph system. Not working with slaves. Gold is not an option. I thought about something else you need... I don't even know why I thought of this. Suddenly, I thought to myself, explosives. And I don't know where it came from. I honestly have no idea. I was just madly flailing around for ideas. Panic is an excellent motivator, I I discovered. Right, okay, explosives, like C4 and that sort of stuff. Like, plastic explosives didn't exist back then. They're going to need it for war blowing stuff Didn't up. Didn't they have comedy dynamite? Ah. Like big, big red sticks? And... No. Ooh. No. Oh. No. No, they did not. It was created in 1867. That's 12 years in my future. So I looked into it. Nitroglycerine was being used all the time. Now, nitroglycerine, what's the, what do you know about nitroglycerine, Dan? Equal parts, equal parts <laughs> dish soap and orange juice concentrate mixed with... I think that was napalm and also from Fight Club. And I think you're mixing up your explosives there. Right. Okay. Also, the, the, uh, when he wrote that, he was told to change things. So don't make explosives from the Fight Club novel. He was told to change things in it so it wouldn't work or yeah. be dangerous. Or actually do make your explosives entirely based on Fight Club. But, yes. Then you won't injure yourself yeah, or, or terribly. You, or you might injure yourself very, very badly. But nitro, what do you think about nitroglycerine, though? Like, if I said... It's very yeah, unstable. Very unstable. You, you. you don't want to drop it. No. Kaboom. You, you don't even want to look at it. You don't want to even change its temperature too much. It, it Boom. Explosive. That's nitroglycerine. That's the only explosive they had at that time of, that, of any sort. Now, in 1867, dynamite is created. And what they did with dynamite, they added absorbent substances in there. So a bit of calcium carbonate and a bit of what's called diatomaceous earth, which is earth you can get from the ground. and, and Dirt. Can, dirt, basically, but it's a special kind of dirt made from the shells. So, so, so silver. The shells of animals that have died over millions of years. Oh, so, all right. So it's kind of like that's that, that white chalky stuff. You know, L- limestone? No, no, no. Lime, no, 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 no. Limestone is, is compressed and actually stone. I'm just talking oh, okay. about like conglomerate kind of okay. algal bodies and, and, and the little, the little kind of coral bodies that are all being crushed up and stuff. Okay. So diatomaceous earth. So I was like, right. And I looked it up. It's 75% nitroglycerine, 24.5% diatomaceous earth, and 0.5% other stuff, um, things like sodium carbonate, which you could get hold of. So I was like, I could make dynamite. Or more to the point, I could patent dynamite, because the patent office existed at this point. I could patent dynamite, and someone else could blow their hands off 
working on dynamite. Okay. This seemed like a really good plan. Diatomaceous Earth, unfortunately, at this time, no one knew what it was, and no one knew where to get it. In fact, uh... why dynamite was made in 1867 was because when it was made, they only just discovered what diatomaceous Earth was. I wouldn't even be able to explain what it was to someone mm-hmm. and where to get it. You have to literally dig it out of the ground in certain places, mainly in Europe at this time. Well, at this time, not at all. In, okay. in, in, in maybe 10 years in my future. Because so they've got the cliffs of Dover. Yeah, that? that's, not, that's, that's not all diatomaceous Earth. There's other things required in there as well. Well. Okay. So in certain places in Europe, they could they could big, they started digging it out of the ground. Okay. So I'm in I'm in trouble. I'm you in trouble. are in trouble. So I don't I can't remember where they were. Craig's gonna die. I, I'm gonna die. gonna die in the past. Then I looked up another one. I checked a lot of YouTube videos, which is always a good place to look up dynamite. Could get lots of messages. Oh. A lot of messages from my virus protection going. Do you really want to go to that website? That's a safe search thing. Kicking go um. That's really about explosives. Uh, do you really want to go to a website about how to make homemade bombs? Uh, like, yes, I do. And suddenly oh, the, wow. the government's like, hi, welcome. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so I, love, I love going to YouTube and looking up fireworks accidents. Because <laughs> it's so good. Because you just see so many. And it's, it's never like Chinese people. No, no. Like in a field, all no, no. drinking and like no, no. having accidents. It's ne- it's never like it's never like African Americans doing mm, it. Mm. It's always like these bucktooth white idiots <laughs> just <laughs> stringing them all together yeah. and ju- they're just accidentally holding them or putting them down their pants and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I assume that's why they call it Krakenite. Uh, uh, is, that, is, that, is that racist? Is yeah, it? yeah, that's really racist. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. That's our word. That's, <laughs> that's our word. And we want to. Came back. Okay, anyway, I looked online and people were like, yeah, diatomaceous earth is great. You can do all this chemical stuff, but you get that wrong. You get that wrong. Yep, and you, plenty of wiggle room. And plenty, you're fine. You're totally fine. Now, you probably lose a finger or an arm. Okay, you, you look very badly for you. So, people saying, just use sawdust. Sawdust will work just as fine. Oh. So you can pack it full of sawdust. So I was like, okay, well now, once again, I get someone else to do it, but I would take 75% nitroglycerin, pack it into sawdust, that's the rest of it into sawdust, and it soaks it in and it stops the, um, when it produces the gas, the, the nitroglycerin produces the gas which explodes, what an explosion is, yep. then of course it gets absorbed into the sawdust, so it makes it more stable. It's not as powerful, but we can do this. It's a crappier form but, of dynamite. But powerful isn't as important as stability. And also death. We might have to add in 10% more comical sticks than blowing your arm off, so I'm, I was happy to go with that. So I was going to say dynamite, patent dynamite, have dynamite made. Now I'm the dynamite king. And when the war comes, when is the that war racist? That's it. That sounds racist. Why is that racist? Dynamite king. Uh, maybe that's racist. That's racist. Okay, when sorry. you put the weird accent, yeah. But just saying you were the dynamite. I'm the king of dynamite. Right. No, saying the right. king of England. Right. Yeah, I was. I was making it racist in my head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the racism no. was in you all along, Dan. Oh no. So I become the dynamite king, and that's the end of my story. Or is it? Because <laughs> you accidentally screw up one time and kaboom? Well, you basically, yes. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Do you know who created dynamite? Who created dynamite? Alfred Nobel. Does that name ring a bell? Get the <laughs> f*** out! Yes, from the Nobel Prize, Alfred Nobel was the man... That's exactly the words I used when I found this out. Alfred Nobel created dynamite. He made it, he created it because he killed a lot of people, he worked with nitroglycerin, and he killed a lot of people in his factories, because he was a rich kind of guy, and people died working with nitroglycerin, he went, it must be a better way of not killing people, I'll make a thing that kills people. And he said, it's for construction, it's not for war, it's for construction. Okay. But when he was older, so in, in 
1888, so way, way in the future, after creating Dynamite in 1867, people thought he'd actually died. So his brother died, and people thought it was, it was Alfred who died. And so they wrote in the obituary saying, this guy was a monster! He created Dynamite! What an asshole! Like, he, he killed so many people! His one invention, he, he's such, he's the world's biggest dick. We hate this guy. And of course, he read his own obituary and went, oh, that's not what I want to get known for. I don't want to get known for being the world's biggest bum. So he created the Nobel Prize, to the Peace Prize, to try and tell people, use his fortune he made with dynamite and other inventions to survive and be better and be better than they are, science and chemistry and all the rest. So that's when I realized how I would pimp my time. I would create dynamite to save Alfred Nobel the pain and suffering mm. of creating a death-dealing weapon. I would take that on board. Yep. I, I'm a good man. Yep. I'm a good man. Uh-huh. And then yep. I would create the War Prize of Peace. That's going to be very confusing to people in Kentucky because they're like, is that war or is it peace? It's, is it war or is it, is it peace? What? And so nowadays you would have the Igwa Prize <laughs> and the, the War Prize for peace and science and chemistry. And that's how I would pimp my time. Would there be a special prize for copper? Because then that would be the Iguana Prize. Sure. Okay. Yay, copper. Ig Iguana no, NA. Sodium. Shit! Sodium. Sodium. Copper C A? Copper is C U. No, I c I don't I can't tell you. What is copper? <laughs> I'm trying to see you about this information. <laughs> Who's on first? Isn't that hydrogen? <laughs> H H U? He he's on second. No what nah <laughs> I'm getting lightheaded. Next time on Pimp My Time, that's, un- that's unwieldy. Clang! Oh, I'm trapped in a time machine! Dan, you are being sent back to 135 Common Era, or AD if you want to call it that, a place called I do. Bathinda, B A T H I N D A, part of the Kushan Empire. It's near the Himalayas, Dan. It's north of what is now modern-day India, near the Himalayas. I don't need directions, the machine takes care of that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> hey Dan, you're looking a little down. Anything the matter? <sighs> My old Nintendo 64 finally died this morning. I have so many great memories playing Mario 64, uh, Ocarina of Time, Goldeneye. Oh, cheer up, man. Uh, oh, look, I'll give you my Nintendo 2DS. Thanks, but no, it's it's not the same. How about my PlayStation 3? No, no thanks. You can have my Xbox One. No, Greg, just leave it, okay? Fine. You can have my PlayStation 4. I'll even throw in my Oculus Rift with it. Stop it, Greg. Stop it. I've lost part of my childhood. I can't be consoled. Walk of shame. I love this bit. In the Walk of Shame, obviously, our audience members are picking up on our mistakes. They certainly do. And they send it to us. So if Dan makes a mistake, hopefully they'll send it to me. And if I make a mistake, they'll send them to Dan. What's really scary, Dan, is I've got none sent to me. I've had a couple. But you have a couple. So that's um, bad for me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Firstly, Miss K mentions that in episode 104, you offhandedly said that the London population is like 16 million people. Yes. It was 8.5 million in the 2014 census. 
So unless a bunch of people have been having triplets, really, Greg I'm, might be from the future. I'm actually that's really uh, wow. Well, it's been looked up. It's been looked up. I'm actually really surprised by that. I thought it was much higher. There you go. Thank you very much. Now is that London, London, or the Greater London area? What's that? What are we talking about? Uh, that's London, Canada. No, it's just, I don't know. It's just London. I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe was... you're both looking up different information. Yeah, maybe. Well, let's look it up. Okay. Wow. I'm, um, I'm totally wrong. I was thinking inside the M25, like the, ring, the big ring road that's right around London. So I All thought right. the greater London area. Uh, no, I'm totally wrong. Utterly, utterly wrong. There's no way it's 16 million people. It's, she's right, 8.6 or so million people inside that area. So thank you, Miss K. I will walk the walk of shame. Good, eh? Now, Andy... Yeah. He says, this one's pretty tenuous. I don't think it is. I think it's bang on the money, actually. <laughs> in episode 103, Greg clearly says fire in regards to loosing an arrow from a bow. Yes. It's incorrect. Ooh. Traditional bows of all kinds are generally made from wood, so fire is bad. <laughs> fire has no part in bows and arrows except for flaming arrows. Mm. The correct term is either loose or shoot. Oh. An arrow. So you shoot an arrow, you don't fire an, ar- an arrow. You only fire firearms. Oh, okay. I must have, I've heard loose, like, I've watched the movie where it went, loose! And they all, like, all the Welsh longbowmen like, fire all their arrows at the French mm. and then, like, give everyone the finger. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank yeah. you, man. I, I stand corrected. That's great. You also... Ooh. <laughs> Damn you, Andy. You also, only one. <laughs> you also imply that only tall people could shoot a longbow. Yes. Now, although longbows are six feet or longer, height is not a great obstruction, just as long as you're taller than half the length of the bow. So you only need to be... Oh, of course. Your hand only needs you to be can... three foot off the ground <laughs> to hold a six-foot longbow. You don't have to have it below your your head. You lift it up. Oh, it's so obvious when you think about it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Now, can you fire them sideways? Are you allowed to fire them, like, cool gangster style? Like, um, boom, You bum, can't... Well, bum, I don't know, because you've got to let the bow rest on top of your hand or on the hilt. So that it sits there and the like, hilt. What? yeah. If you put the if you put the you hold it there and you hold if you it. hold the bow. Don't yeah. don't say there yeah, on there. an audio podcast. Right there. No, right there. I'm right right if there. If you're listeners. holding the bow, and yep. then you put the arrow. The arrow rests on top of like something a little notch on the bow. Or, 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 your thumb, or, or on your thumb. Yeah, or maybe there. Yes. Yeah. So if you're holding it sideways, it could it would, it sli- could rest, slice. It could rest on the actual wood of the bow itself. I, yeah, but then it's going to slide sideways. You'd have to lock it in on both you sides. Could turn it to a slight angle, like five degree angle. And now you're really gangster. Yeah, I think I think you can actually oh. fire it on a 45 degree angle, but the lower that angle is, the more that that thing can go off kilter. I'm is... just really excited by the idea of middle ages Welsh gangsters. Give me all your give me all your money. I can't, I can't do it at all. I said that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. Thank you. It's a Welsh. It's a Welsh gangster, darling. Hand him all your groats. <laughs> I so walked through the valley of the shadow, shadow of, of death. death. And I looked at my life and I made it, made it a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to do Gangster's Paradise in Welsh. Welsh listeners, get on that. Please, please, please do Gangster's Paradise for us. Oh, oh, that would be amazing. Just get some bagpipes behind it or something. <laughs> well, the to... Welsh, that's more Scottish, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. The, but Welsh, Welsh have the, the Welsh have ones between their legs. They actually had a, they had ones that they would squeeze. You're looking like I'm making it up, but it's they put the uh, bag bladder? between their legs. The bladder. Oh, you know you're Welsh. No, oh, I'm just uh, infatuated with bladders. <laughs> and you squeeze it with your knees. So it's like, oh, God, that would be amazing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
be amazing. We, I think we need to do it. We need to do it. Oh, Come on, we need to find some yeah, Welsh, Welsh people. Like really, really, really Welsh people. That'd be awesome. Anyway. Okay. Longbows are also usable on horseback. Really? Yeah. Mongols didn't do it, but the Japanese longbows do it by having asymmetric limbs. On the horse? On... <laughs> what? Just comes in at a forty-five oh, degree angle. That's right. Oh god. Oh, oh, I haven't. Oh god, I've hurt a bone in my chest. <laughs> but take what the limbs on the bow. Oh, so they're called limbs. They're called limbs. Yeah. Right. Did so not know you that. hold the bow, and then one side right. is really, really tall, and one yeah. side is really short. Ugh, that's very. So it looked kind of like a like a keel off an Australian sailboat or something. <laughs> well, that's an old reference okay. of people. Now. You either have to be old and Australian to get that reference. So if you're not either of those two things, you can... No, I reckon there's plenty of Americans who know all about the winged keel. From 1988! Well, no one gives a crap about the winged keel! I'm sure that... I'm sure it's not all fetuses listening to the podcast. That's that, that. <laughs> Maybe it is a really small Venn diagram. If, you, if you've heard of the America's Cup winged keel... Please do write in to and, them and at you're not Australian. Org. That's right. Oh yeah, not Australian too. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> that's all for you. That's that, oh, okay. that's on you. Oh thank goodness. He also points out something to well, not so not not that I've done wrong. Oh but okay. He says making a traditional bow into a compound bow probably wouldn't work as well as you think due to the archer's paradox. Now the archer's paradox. It's like Zeno, you never you can never hit the turtle. No, 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 different one. Okay, different one. Because if you pull back a string of a bow, uh, that point on the string, when you let it go, it's it's going to return to where it was. So it's going to aim for the center of the bow, right? Both vertically and horizontally. Okay. So if you want that arrow to go dead straight, it's got to pass straight through the bow. In order to go straight. Okay. Now it's on, it's it's slightly on the side. Yeah. So what's going to happen is when the arrow starts getting pushed towards the bow, the arrow is going to push its right hand side against the bow. Yeah. And it's going to flex, and it's oh. going to warp the arrow, and the the arrow will go one way in its center, and then it's going to swing out the other way yeah. like a fish, kind of okay. like a fish sort of weaves side better. to side. Sure, that means it'd be better. No, because oh. what happens is that. The arrow is then wobbling back and forth, side to side. Mm. Uh, better chance of hitting things like a shotgun blast. It's like uh, seeking through. It, it has a natural tendency to fly to one side on oh. release, oh, and right, it okay. becomes less. Oh, I see what you're saying. It doesn't wobble. So, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying now. So the stiffness of the spine uh, of the arrow actually becomes another thing that you've got to compensate for. So if you have an arrow that's uh, slightly firmer, hmm. and then you try to do the same shot again, but fix up your aim with one that's got a, a, a loose spine, yeah. then it's going to wobble and it's going to go slightly more to the left or more to the right. Yeah. So what you'd really want to do is have like a hole in the middle of the bow that sends the arrow through the hole. Yeah. But that's that's dumb. But what you can do is... <laughs> Why that, don't they do that? Well, they do. They actually... Oh, okay. What they do is they have bows yeah. and the handle of the bow is actually quite ornate. Hmm. You start at the top of the bow and it comes down straight, comes down yeah. straight, comes down straight. And then at the centre of the bow, it actually hooks a right. And so it's like a handle on the right oh, of the bow. Right. So you can hold the bow... Oh, maybe it's on the left of the bow. Yeah, it's on the left of the bow. <laughs> yep. And then... Um, Theater right. And then there's a little tiny ledge on the mm. inner side of that handle that the arrow sits on, and that's dead center uh. between the uh, the top of the string and the bottom of the string. Yep. So it's a cutaway. 
Mm. And this eliminates the paradox, and this makes you much more accurate. Oh, okay. So that's much more easy. You should yeah. have done that, Dan. You should have done that. I should have done that. <laughs> and it was worked out in the early 1900s. So it would have been perfect. It's such a simple you, thing. You could have done it. Yeah, you could have. Oh, man. Send Sorry. Andy back in time then. Let's send Andy in through time. Yeah. 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 It's making get... me look bad. Yeah. I mean, for science. For science. 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 Yeah. If you hear of something that I have said wrong in the podcast, please do email greg at smartenough.org. And when Dan inevitably screws up, you send it to greg at smartenough.org and we can just laugh and we laugh. You just and said laugh. the same thing twice. Did I? Again, we've done it. But that's all right. They've figured out the whole point of it. You have been listening to greg at smartenough.org and dan at smartenough.org. We are going to the Woodford Folk Festival. Very exciting. On the Monday the 27th and the Wednesday the 29th and the 1st of January 2016, we will be there doing a live... Wait, wait, wait. wait. New Year's Day? Yes. I'm going to be so hungover. You are going to be so hungover. It's going to be the best show ever. <laughs> We're going to be at the Woodford Folk Festival. So if you happen to be at the Woodford Folk Festival, which is sort of north of Brisbane, come on in and see us. It'll be a free show. Come on in. You could win well, valuable go, 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 go. prizes. It's a free show at Woodford. Like, well, Woodford yes. has entry. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, but, but you know, that's not our fault. We're not getting that money. Yeah. We're so getting... check out the entry costs for Woodford. Yes. But because there's so much stuff you can see at Woodford. Yes. For one medium fee, you can go to Woodford and just see, like, tons of stuff, bands Missing. and stuff comedy yeah, yeah, yeah. Us. us which is kind of a bit of everything and it's going to be awesome and we're going to be doing the same thing we did last time at the powerhouse we're doing some live shows where we're going to have the audience to come and tell their stories of science we will have judges we will have fabulous prizes to give away again it's all going to be very very exciting so come on down and see us at Woodford Folk Festival we have to be in Brisbane around that time and around that who does anything between Christmas and New Year's no one nothing so come and see us yeah I, I, I was going to go for a holiday until it was turned off oh there you go but oh. Follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. And Facebook, SE2KB. And get along to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. Definitely subscribe. We are so close (gasps) to hitting the front page of the Science and Medicine page. Are we really? We're like six spots. I think they've got like 12 spots there, and we're like six off. Oh, come on, people. You can do it. If you were were sitting there going, I'll get around to that soon. It won't matter if I subscribe or rate them. It does. Your rating and your subscription could push us over the edge and get us on the front page right up against Dr. Carl just rubbing up against yeah, it just rubbing up rubbing against Dr. Rah, Carl Dr. Carl we love Dr. Carl we love you rub 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 and as we always like to say Kentucky Fried Racism <laughs> no no don't <laughs> we never like to say that we never like to no, say that we never like to say we never like to say Kentucky Fried Racism <laughs> Welcome to Sm- <laughs> These acute cases are so sad. I'm so glad I can help. Okay. It's such a dumb sketch. No, no, no. This is the most intelligent sketch ever. Part of my childhood. I can't be consoled. No, I'm so bad. Still feel sick. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, it's actually really bad. It's just, just ow. It's like, it's it's like. Um... <laughs> Look, I agree. I wrote it anyway. I agree. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to sell this. It's like my appendix has gone, but all over my body. <laughs>
Hey, Dan, you're looking a little down. That's Anything me. the matter? That's me. What? That's oh, well, look at that. What? Why? What? It's not even a joke. Why would you... What? Okay. Jeez, a little bit of whimsy here. So that's, that's the whimsy. As soon as someone calls you Dan, you're like, oh, defensive. <laughs> be There's nothing wrong with it with being Dan. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> okay. Hey Dan, you're looking a little down. Anything the matter? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it right oh, now. Oh, sketch it. Yeah, and, and the sketch. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so are we going to go into that or? Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, what? The show that we did. What? Go into what? Am I going to do something now? Yes. Okay, I'll do something now. <laughs> oh, man. It's too hot. I don't think it's going to be a particularly long one. Cool. That's right. You don't have to be long, baby. Just has to get the job done. You know okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know oh, I get it. Yep. Yeah. Cock joke. Cock joke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, everyone, crowd around for a penis joke. <laughs> I've probably blown the ending now. <laughs> hey! <laughs> So happy with myself right now. <laughs> I'm so glad that's recorded. <laughs> oh. We don't eat a sketch. We got a sketch the, right there. The, 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 the punchline happened in my head halfway along saying the punchline. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea I was going. Uh, that's really tight. <laughs> that's what she. Oh, I forget it. See what line in bed all week has done. Mary held on my back. Oh, yeah. All my muscles have atrophied. Now I'm standing up for an hour and a bit, and, I'm, and my back's you. like, no, please, go back to the nest. <laughs> Last week I fed a child into a mulcher, but she's returned in ghostly form. <laughs> we were hooting very loudly too, but we can't say yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw some people have gone and made a 6th century submarine based on a plan they've never made in the modern era made of submarine oh, it yeah. looked very much like what I pictured yours looking like hey. they used row they actually rowed internally they were idiots uh, so they, they, they would actually so they would make it flat through the water yeah and, and then slice and backwards and then, okay back. But yours was with a corkscrew. You yeah. actually made a propeller on yours. I went, yours would be much better. Like, yours would actually be a much better way of moving it. And also only one hole for water comes, because they had, like, three on either side. It's three times the, the hole. Yeah, yeah. Three but, times the leakage. Yeah, it was very silly. Uh, but anyway, I went, oh, my God, we've done this. We're so clever. Um, all right. Well, we didn't build it. Well, no, it's true. Uh, there we're, we're, we're up in it. It's, it's too hard to build a submarine up here in this ivory tower. <laughs> And that high horse, that gets on the way too. Um, it's f***ing hard to get a high horse up the stairs of an ivory tower. <laughs> if you only get it up, you have to kill it and drag it down. It's very sad. They won't go backwards. Like 135 Bethinda. Yes. Aren't those the people who make Elder Scrolls? That's Bethesda. Bethesda.